Ochoa, I got a question for you today on this fine Saturday evening, and that is when you find yourself in great conversation with a student, be it in your classroom, in the hallway, at a basketball game, at a volleyball game, wherever this is happening, in the library, what is it you find that... Uh, that triggers this. Like, what is the there there there? Because there seems to be like moments where something happens. The the student wants to speak. You want to speak, and things and it just this conversation just blossoms and it's and it's either informative, it's fun, it's it's needed if the student's going through something. But these these moments happen, and I've just been thinking about conversation uh, this this week and this weekend. And I wanted to know that when, when it happens to you, what do you find are some common themes as to uh, why this this happens for you? What what are the what are the, the the triggers, so to speak? Well I think I think one thing that's common about all of them is at some point they have seen that I have shown an interest in their situation or their life or their their person or being so, uh, and their welfare. So I think, uh, because of that, they sometimes are slow to open up, but for the most part, I typically have a majority of the students do open up and, uh, and speak to me and, and talk to me. I've had several come back later and say, do you remember when you talked to me outside the locker, you know, when I was a sixth grader and, and, uh, and most of the time when they ask me those things, I do remember the moment. And I even had one kid one time say, you know, you changed my life. I've met them at Taco Bell and they're like, I'm a reader. We're all readers because of this one lesson that you did. So, uh, but that, but, but I think what really happens is, um, like you said, a casual conversation. I think I ask questions about, you know, Hey, how are you today? What's going on? Um, I'll notice if I try to read the students, I read their body language. I try to anyway, uh, just like the other day, there was a student that just wasn't acting quite the way she typically does. So I walked and I walked over to her and I'm like, are you okay? And she said, I don't think so. And I went, do you need to go to the nurse? And she said, maybe. And she said, well, I, I didn't know if you would let me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll always let you go to the nurse if that's what you need, right? <laughs> so just noticing that she had a, a need, she wasn't asking me because I think she's been told no already, you know, during the daytime. And so she just made the assumption I was going to say no. I'll go ahead and send her. Well, anyway, the next day, she, I guess, is feeling better. So the next day that she's back, she, I think she missed that next day. She must have been sick. But then the next time that she's in my classroom, she's all like, hey, Ms. Ochoa, how are you doing? You know, and I mean, she's like totally even different because I think it's because I took a moment and noticed that she was in a need. So I think they need something. I think the students need to be validated. I think they need to be recognized. I think they need to know that somebody's out there uh, on their side. But, uh, you know, but not all my conversations typically you know, sometimes I have to have a conversation uh, regarding discipline or something like that, but I always follow back up with them. Uh, for the most part, 
almost every student, I'll end up saying hello again. And, you know, even some students that have gone back over to your class and uh, for whatever reason, you know, I'll still talk to them and they're like, oh, like it surprises them because they think, I think they've assumed that since they left, I'm mad at them. And so I think when they realize that they can trust that I'm going to be the same as I was yesterday, today, and then the next day, then, um, you know, I'm going to greet them no matter what, then they're more willing to open up. And I think it, when you're in a workshop situation and when, you know, we, we're having our students write, they put their, they put their situation on the line. And I think over time that trust is built, especially when uh, they know you've read your material, their material, and they know that you have uh, taken time to make a comment or pull them up to, to your desk or go to their desk and, you know, hey, uh, talk to me about this line or whatever. I had a student the other day, he was writing something and it was not very good. And he goes, Miss Ochoa, do you like my first line? And it was terrible. I mean, I have to just say it was not good. And <laughs> it's one of those typical uh, kids that say, you know, your new writers that say, I'm about to tell you what I think. And my uh, opinion is, you know, say, is, it, is it one of those or was it, have you ever been on a yeah. walk? <laughs> right. So anyway, I said, well, do you want the truth or do you want me to sugarcoat it like that? And he goes, just lay it out there, Miss Ochoa, and let me know what I need to do. And I thought, well, that's that tells me that we've built a pretty good relationship. But I did. I'd like, do you want me to tell you the truth? And he goes, just go ahead. I know there's a problem. And I said, well, it's a typical problem. You're You're already talking to me through your paper, so you don't need to tell me you're about to tell me. Oh, okay, okay. I said, why don't you just start right here? Erase all that other. So he erased it all. He goes, oh, it sounds better already. And then he came up to me, have you read the whole piece yet? Did you see the improvements? And so I, I think it's those kinds of things that occur. And then later on, when they really do need something, um, they, they'll come to you if they need and hang out and all that stuff. But I try to I try to keep their welfare in mind. And I think they know that. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is Craft and Draft. Welcome to the podcast. That's Pam Ochoa. This is Jacob Chastain. We are two Texas teachers down here uh, just doing our thing, loving workshop choice and reading and writing and everything in between craft and draft. If you're new here is our journal system. We talk a lot about it uh, here. We also talk philosophy, ideas, big topics, and just kind of whatever else we decide to talk about because we work down the hall from each other. We see each other every single day and we talk to each other on this podcast. So we, we spend a lot of time uh, just going back and forth and really pontificating on everything that revolves around workshop and everything else. So thank you for tuning in today. We got a we got a banger of an episode for you guys. But before we jump to what this episode is about, I have to give a shout out to our producers of this podcast. Yeah. You can be a producer of this podcast if you join us over there at Patreon. You can join at Patreon over there at Craft and Draft. You can find that link at craftandraftworkshop.com. It'll send you right to it where you can support this show, get extras such as extra podcast every month and our demo 
tutorial and everything else that we decide to release over there um, to our premium content will drop. It just opened, so if you want to get into that front door, you can. But first, shout out to Leah, Brandy, Mark, and Alicia for sponsoring and supporting the podcast. They are this month's uh, producers of Craft and Draft. So we both thank you extremely for taking your time, effort, energy, money, everything else in between. Shout out to you three uh, for producing and uh, keeping this podcast alive. So we really do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But moving on from there, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about the, the culture of freedom in the workshop. And this is something that has been on my mind because it is one thing to say that teachers, I mean, not teachers, that students have freedom, that they can write what they want, they can read what they want. That, that's that's one thing. We've, you and I, Ochoa, have both seen classrooms that make this promise and then do not deliver on that promise. This, every, things are too restrictive. Everything is a, is a false choice. Everything is a, a this or that, not an actual free choice. Now, I'm not saying this or that is never okay, but the, the, the over promise of you're going to be able to choose where you want to apply what we're learning isn't ever realized. Uh, and I think it, a lot of it has to come down to this culture of freedom. How do we get kids and the teacher really to really embrace what freedom means in an academic setting? What does that feel like? What does it look like? What does it sound like? So that's everything we're going to talk about on this podcast uh, and probably more, I imagine. So shout out once again to our Patreon supporters. Go support us over there if you would like. Subscribe if you haven't already. Rate the podcast if you haven't already. But ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the show. All righty, Miss Ochoa. Now, I, I want to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Tell me a story, Jacob. Okay, so I was, as I do, I was playing a video game last night. And it was. I was now, I'm already. F- hang on, I got to stop you. I am so surprised. Are you sure you were playing a video game? <laughs> For people that so know far, me. I think some of our first good conversations was over the video games you play. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Probably. I, you know, I, I tuck it away because I assume adults don't care as much. Now, uh, there's definitely nerd culture, right, that loves video games and stuff like that. Like, I listen to a, a really huge video game podcast, which happens to be, like, the biggest nerd culture podcast on Patreon. Um, so I know there's there's the people out there, but I don't run into them that often. It's funny because the, sometimes I'll talk to people that I interview on Teach Me Teacher, and we'll start talking about video games just, like, off air or whatever. And then, I, you know, I friend them on PlayStation, and so I, I keep in touch with oh, them that way. Um, but, you know, it's something I just don't – I don't talk about it a lot because I'm a real dork about it. And I just – I don't – I assume people don't care. Regardless, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is I was playing I a video game, <laughs> and I – one of my buddies was supposed to jump on. We were playing Fortnite, uh, and I, I was – I'm like addicted to Fortnite. My wife loves watching me, so we play it all the time. But I, I was playing last night, and I told my friend, hey, jump on. He he jumped on, but then he was like, ah, I'm going to bed. I don't want to play. So he went to bed, so I'm alone. My wife is at 
her friend's house for the night because uh, he just won teacher of the year at their campus. So they were all celebrating over there, being all excited and everything. Um, So I'm alone at the house, just hanging out with my kid and whatnot. So he's playing on his, you know, he's playing his game. So I get on Fortnite and I usually I play alone. I play solo unless I'm with a friend, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on the headset. I'm going to play with random people. Let's just find out what happens. And it's Fortnite. So it's free. So there's kids, there's adults, there's everything in between that pops on. So you never know. Half the time you join, there's a kid just like, hey, what do you want to do? You know, and it's those are funny. Um, and I like to jump into those. But I ended up jumping in with these two young uh, individuals. And one of them was very young and one of them was older. Uh, and, you know, we just played for a little bit and kind of went back and forth. We did a few games. After a while, one of the kids, he, he got more open. He started talking more. And he started saying phrases that my students say, right? Like one of my students uh, in my first period, I can I can picture him right now. He goes, like if something happens, he goes, are you okay, my guy? And th- this this kid <laughs> on Fortnite started saying that. He was like, yo, are you are you good, my guy? Are you good? What's going on? And so he starts, he, yeah, like my, you know, he starts using the phrases of middle schoolers and stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, I bet this. I bet this young man is probably middle school age, maybe sixth grade. His voice was kind of high pitched. So I was like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes eighth graders still have that high pitched voice or whatever, but I'm not really sure. So we end up interacting. Uh, and then I, eventually towards the end of the night, I go, Hey, I, I, so I don't know how it came up, but I was like, I revealed that I was a teacher and he goes, no way. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm an English teacher. And we just have like this back and forth. And I was like, I teach middle school. I teach seventh graders. I was like, you sound like my, my middle schooler. So it's like talking to one of my students right now. And he goes, he goes, ah, oh, man, he goes, what, what grade do you think I'm in? And you know, we went back and forth or whatever. Eventually I said, I said, you're, you're definitely, no younger than a fifth grader because you have you have a, a certain level of maturity. And he goes, yeah, I'm not a fifth grader. I was like, okay, so that puts you in middle school. I was like, so I don't know. I I, I was safe and I said sixth grade. He ended up being an eighth grader, which made a lot of sense. Um, but we had – it was such a funny conversation. He was like, he was like, oh, my God. He was like, I'm playing with an English teacher right now. I was like, yeah, you know what you need to do? You need to – when we're done, you need to go read a book. And we had this conversation. <laughs> but it was – The reason I'm telling this story and I wanted to ask you that question about conversations is because we've all heard the, the adage, the, the truism that social media, video games, technology makes kids antisocial, right? We've all heard it. We, we see it sometimes in our classrooms. We, we think that, but I got to tell you the way this kid interacted, talked with me, uh, played around, you know, like he was joking around, like it was whatever, like it was nothing. Like it was, it was just banter back and forth. You know, I'm a 31 year old man. He's an eighth grader. And we, we had this common ground with the video game, but we were able to, you know, have this, these really good conversations and it was funny. And we shared interests. Like we talked about Netflix and music and stuff, but it was this charismatic moment that I was, I was so in awe of because I was like, this is kids on social media. They're talking all the time. They really are very social, right? It's, and I think what happens in the classroom and I, and this pertains to workshop, which is why I wanted to bring this up, which is workshop really relies on, especially your workshop, in my opinion, because of the way you do things, it really relies on safety. Um, it relies on community 
it relies on being able to feel safe with sharing ideas, pieces, thoughts on on really being in, a, in an environment where someone can look at a piece, say something, and it, it's not offensive, right? There's a, there's a trust that goes along with the workshop process, um, specifically in your classroom, but I think in all workshops to a degree. And I feel like a lot of teachers can get frustrated with the lack of communication that's happening. They're like, well, kids, they don't want to talk, right? They don't want to talk to me. Like they sit down with the conference and kids are caged, right? They're like, well, you can't do this. Like they're, you know, they sit down to talk about their book because like, yeah, it's good. You know what I mean? And you, it's right. like, okay, well, they're not answering any questions. They're just saying yes or no. I don't, I, I don't know how to break that barrier. I feel like that is, that's a hurdle that can really hinder someone's efforts in the workshop format. And talking with this kid, I just had this realization. I was like, you know, I wonder how much of the conversation piece is on us, right? I wonder how often we set up, um, I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't know how to articulate this, um, which is why I'm pitch it to you in a second, but I, I feel like we set up, I don't know, barriers, so to speak, that make kids feel where they're not comfortable speaking to us. They feel like they have to be like, sometimes I feel like they're academic knowledge is so lacking that they, they'll feel judged in this. I feel like that gets imposed from other teachers, but also us. If we like in writing is a good example um, <clears throat> sorry, if, if writing is a good example, because if a, if a teacher only talks about like grammar issues or spelling issues, when it, when a student hands something that, that student, every time that happens, they're, they're always going to think that they're writing in a deficit already. And they're going to stop sharing as much. They're going to stop experimenting. They're going to feel like they're being judged all the time. And that hinders that creativity. Um, but this also happens with like book reading or anything like that. So I feel like it, when teachers get frustrated at this lack of conversation, I feel like so much of that is on us. Like we had the barrier to our conversation in that Fortnite game, for instance, was really low because we were already playing a game together. You know what I mean? Like we're already, mm -hmm. you know, building buildings, building ramps, finding loot, you know, shooting enemies or whatever and having fun. So it's a different vibe. But I'm like, why can't workshop be like that? If workshop can, if we could create an environment where kids show up and they're playing with language, they're playing with ideas, they're playing with picking books, they're playing with picking pieces. There's a video game element to that. And if we can model that as teachers, I feel like that barrier becomes a race. It's no longer teacher and student. It's no longer judge and uh, disciple or whatever, you know, master and disciple, however you want to put that. It's, it's, we're just two people interacting. I happen to know a little bit more about this, but that doesn't make us that different. I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? How do you feel in terms of that communication piece with workshop? Do you feel like, uh, that, that teachers really can sometimes get in the way of really opening up that line of communication with either reading or writing? Well, I think so. I mean, I've gotten in the way more than more than once uh, throughout the years, uh, but I, I do think that you know one of the things you said that I want to kind of kind of hit on is you said y'all were already playing a game together, and so you're already in this together. And I think the fact that they need to see us as teachers in this with them, and I think that is where you no longer just a teacher, but you become that facilitator, that guide. Uh, but that's why it's important to write 
in front of them, to read in front of them. Just the other day, I sat down, you know, the, our, our little book club, they were all supposed to be reading their book club books, right? And I pulled the our book club book, so to speak, because, you know, you had us doing a, a book study for our English group. So I knew I had to get that done because, I mean, you know, I see you every day and I would hate to say, yeah, I'm reading it and I really wasn't. So I was sitting down and that's what I was reading. Well, that was a different book than I was reading a week ago. And then that was a different book from two weeks ago, you know, because I read a little bit faster than they do. So I try to read a variety of books in front of them. So anyway, uh, one of these students that uh, he looked at, he goes, Ms. Ochoa, we're right in the middle of reading. Everybody's quiet, you know, and I could have said, we are, we are reading. You get quiet. You know, I could have laid the line there, uh, law down there, but uh, he just said, Miss Ochoa, do you read a lot of books? So he recognized that I was changing books, right? Yeah, always watching. They're always watching. And they're, they are watching. And so, but but I was in the middle of the, not quite in the middle of the room. I kind of placed myself beside near my non-readers typically. Sometimes I'll place myself, I just do different parts of the room, but usually where I can see just about everybody, but kind of closer to the ones that are kind of reluctant. And sometimes that kind of, I'm like, um, I don't know, I'm just going to come up with the name, uh, Johnny, you're interfering with my, my reading time. <laughs> so get you start reading, please. You know, that's kind of how I, I deal with that. But anyway, this, this young, young man said, are you you read a lot of books. And I said, yeah, I do. I read, I read all different kinds. I said, this one's a professional book. It's about teaching. And he goes, yeah, but you were reading, uh, he called it out the other day, you know, he's like, you're always reading a different kind of book. And I said, yeah, that's kind of what I want y'all to do. I mean, you've been reading some books, but he typically goes uh, to one type of book. And I said, but he noticed that I was reading all different kinds of books. So I moved a little bit closer to him. So not to disturb anybody else. And we carried on a small conversation about how um, reading a multiple different types of books, different types of genres, different types of, even if you're not interested in it, pick it up and read it because, and always read to learn, always read to find new ideas or to have experience. And he's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I said, okay, now get back to reading your book. And he goes, all right. And he, and he, you know, he was really trying to get me off, get us all off track at first. I don't, I think it's really interesting. What I'm saying is he has a tendency sometimes to just keep on talking, but I think because I took time to talk to him about, yeah, this is why I read them. And this is how it would help you too. If you do it, he picked up that book and we went on and read for you know, I had a little more time because of that conversation, but it was kind of a neat moment. So I do think that that he and I think others, like you said, they're always watching. So we're in this together with them. When they see me writing, one of my things I like to do, and I haven't done it usually. Well, you know, they dropped our our writing test, so we're not. I'm not practicing that writing test with them. Uh, I have done that some in the past, but what I would do is I would have them. Uh, we would when we get closer, we don't do this for the whole year. This is like when we get closer to the test moment. And so <clears throat> we're working through how to read a question, for example. So what I'd have the students do, they would break up into groups and they would they would each group would create uh, a question. 
that would be modeled after the test questions that would be asked. And then they would vote on it. So they'd select somebody to represent their table and then they would go and then they would vote on it. And then so then they would find one that they thought could stump the teacher. And that's the one they voted on. I would have to leave the room while they talked about it. And when I said leave the room, I'm like standing there where I can see them. But you know what I mean? Like I couldn't hear them. And so they all figured it out when they waved me back in when they were ready. So I did, couldn't see the question. And then they would lay it right there in front of me. And then back then on my overhead at that time, now I'd be under a document camera. Then I would just start writing. And they would like, y'all can't tell me this is my test. Let's see if I can do it. Because I, I would tell them I could write on any topic whatever y'all think. And they're like, no, you couldn't write on one of ours. So then it's me being in there with them. Does that make sense? And it just opened up for, cause they were really trying to stump me. And then I would be thinking aloud and then they would like want to insert information. I'm like, no, you can't help me. You can't help me. All right, go ahead and help me, you know, like that and stuff. And I'm like, you mean you wouldn't put this sentence like this? And so they're busy helping me write. And I'm like, well, you know, it'll be our, our little thing, but it was just kind of a fun where they help me become the writer, you know, but they're seeing me struggle in front of them. Like what decision, where do you know, how do I plan this? And so I think when they see us in this with them, they, they, they typically open up a little bit more, but when you're talking about barriers, if we like, I could have cut that boy off that was interrupting the reading time. And, and I have done that some, you know, I have to read the situation, but I felt like this was a moment where I could help, I mean, he seemed truly interested in the fact that, you know, why are you reading? You know, I had another student the other day. Uh, he was like, Ms. Ocho, how do you know all that? And I said, well, because I read. He goes, but you're just a teacher. And I said, yes, or a teacher that reads. So I know a lot of stuff. And so that, that he goes, oh, okay. I said, that's why you need to read. He goes, all right. And so he started reading. So I think when they see us in here with them, it really helps a lot. So, so. You know, what's funny is I don't know if this was the same student, um, uh but if if it wasn't, then this just adds to your point because we have for people, I don't think we've ever really detailed our schedule, so to speak, but we have a leadership class where it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like our advisory, but it's a, we have a curriculum that we sort of follow and, um, but we get kids from other teachers. Some of them are ours, but a lot of them from other students. And one of the students in my leadership class walked up to my desk and, you know, I, I, this, my time, you know, I check on their grades and we talk and, you know, half the time they just gather around my desk and we just have conversations and whatnot, but they looked and they saw that book on my desk and goes, you're reading that too. And (laughs) I go, yeah. I was like, you know, it's our book study that we're reading. So I don't know if it was the same student, but if it's not, then and that was just another moment of them noticing the Uh books that we read. And, you know, I had changed what's uh, just to add to your point too, is I changed what I was reading this week. I'm, Uh I'm in the middle of stuff. I kind of, for my reading habits are, I, I try to read one book that is relevant to like them so I can recommend it to somebody. Sometimes I don't finish them because I'm like halfway through it and I'm like, Oh, you need to read this. And I hand it off. Um, that's like a mid grade YA book or whatever. Uh, I'm usually in a fiction book of just my choosing. I read a lot of fantasy. I also read like, I read, I read tons of stuff, but, uh, you know, like a fiction book and then some type of nonfiction book. And sometimes that's professional development. Sometimes that's, um, something that I'm just reading history or whatever, uh, that I really like. And I, cause I just have moods and some days I want to learn and some days I want to just really experience a story and I just kind of bounce around. I'm always reading, you know, three you know, two or three books, um, 
at a time, but I had one student go, Oh my God, like I, I picked up a big book. It, like the one that I was reading recent was very big. And they're like, like, let me see that. And they looked at it and they looked at the first page and they were like, Oh my God, there's so many words on this. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a history book. So it's, you know, there's a lot of information here. They're like, it would take uh-huh. me a year just to read 10. And I'm like, yeah, well I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> it's like, mm. But it's it's those it's this right here though. This is what I'm talking about. It's the moments for conversation that I think it I think honestly I feel like conversation is the foundation of freedom, so to speak. And, you know, I'm going to do the typical chess thing thing and really balloon this into a really big concept and then boil it back down into a classroom concept. But the, the idea of what freedom is, I mean, specifically in an American context is, you know, this idea of freedom of speech and this idea of freedom of religion and, and, uh, freedom of thought. You know, there are countries out there where, you know, you can literally be, prosecuted. You could be thrown in jail for thinking certain things, right? If they can prove it or posting certain things and, you know, all of these other things. And, you know, America, we've had our troubles and, you know, not everything has been equal Mm -hmm. across the board, but the ideal has been the same. It's very, it's very integral to how Americans feel, you know, how we grow up and, and, and what we think about our government and everything else. And, this this concept of freedom is very much like I can speak what I can speak without fear of retribution from authorities, right? And, you know, we, we live in a time where everyone is starting to attack who and who. Everyone's being canceled. There's always something going on. And uh, this it's, it's, it's changing the narrative, so to speak, about how we, we feel about open conversation. You know, I feel like, honestly, the reason Teach Me Teacher has grown so much in the last few months is because I have fully embraced the idea of talking across the divides, not silencing people I disagree with. I've had more people I've disagreed with on the podcast this season than I've ever had on before, and it's making the audience trust the the platform more because it's 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 uh it's that dialogue that's so important and so that's the big concept now let's pull it down to the workshop in a workshop format if we have a classroom that says hey you're free to be who you are but we constantly shut down that curiosity right there's time and a place like you said like we can't like it can't it, it's not a free for all there's a difference mm-hmm. between chaos and freedom right mm-hmm. um we have moments where, you know, th- they have to be silent. We're moving on. You know, we you, this isn't the time. And there are kids who will actively try to avoid reading by talking mm-hmm. and doing all of these things. And we know that as teachers who know our students. But you embracing that moment with that student uh, could have been a game changer for someone. It, it, this happens in writing, too. You know, my writing uh, classroom, it, it, it is very I – would, I would imagine for a lot of teachers – my writing class is extremely chaotic. Uh, you get a small glimpse of this in our slam poetry club, which is yeah. more chaotic it's than my real writing class. <laughs> well, that that's a little unfair because there's a lot of kids in that club who just want to be in there because they had me for a few years. But the, I know the, I know the vibe is the same though. It's there's music going. Uh, yeah. There's kids that, that are distracted, but there's a lot of kids who have, 
they, they, some of them want to talk. Some of them want to share. Some of them really do want to share pieces. Some of them want to write in a classroom. I can control that more because they're my students and I can control the narrative, so to speak. But it's that vibe of, you know, some days not a lot happens, but some days it's like, I might sit with a kid in a conference and they need to release something to me. They're having a problem with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or they had a, the, their parents were fighting. Their parents are getting divorced. Their parents are getting married. They're moving. I mean, all of these problems happen. That all happened this week, actually. All of those examples I said happened this week. Right. But it's those moments of where I sit down and I allow that conversation to happen. And now I'm as an educator in the room, we're trying to move forward. I'm always trying to channel that into what they're reading, what they're writing, what they're thinking about, but I allow it to happen. I allow this time to be used for these, these moments of inspiration, these, these moments of we're talking, we're having a conversation, we're two humans dialoguing about something. You know, sometimes they're silly. I mean, they're middle schoolers, they're dorks, right? They have all kinds of weird, random things that they say. And sometimes they're serious and sometimes it is what it is. But this is that culture of freedom that I feel like is missed in a lot of things. Honestly, I've never seen a book or someone talk about this, which is why I thought it was interesting Mm. where it's, it's that vibe, that feeling of, it, it's almost like a, there's like an energy of, you know what, sometimes like it's a, I don't know, the best analogy I can think of is when I was a young teenager, my cousin worked at a music studio and every weekend we would go up to the studio. This is the studio where Elton John had recorded on the grand piano in there. Tons of band like Nirvana had recorded there. Stevie Ray Vaughan had recorded there. It's a, I mean, it was a major studio and he worked there. And it closed. It was also a school. They would close like 11. And him and I would go up there after hours. And we would spend all night in this professional studio learning how to record, writing songs, like being silly and stuff like that. And sometimes we were really productive and sometimes we weren't. But it was that this environment that anything could happen. All the tools were there. We had the the most professional microphones. We had a grand piano that was probably worth more than my house currently, right? We had all of these things. And it led to really some of the most creative times and most emotionally releasing times um, I had as a kid at that point. And that's like when I think of my workshop, that's almost what I want. It's like, yeah, you know, every day isn't going to be filled with massive production. We have, I have kids sometimes, uh, some days, not a lot of movement happens. Kids are distracted, they're tired, they're bored. You know, there's all these things that happen. But you know what? Sometimes when it hits just right and the conversations go, Pieces are flying. Kids are coming up with ideas. Everyone's typing. We're having great conversations. We're interacting. We're joking. We're talking about serious issues. And it's this, it's almost like with there with freedom, there's a cost. It's like, if you really want a culture of freedom, right? You, that there, that means there's going to be moments where things don't happen according to plan. You, you know, you're not going to make the progress that you think you are going to make. But I think it, it it leads to greater heights in the end because I'm still there. I'm not just sitting back like waiting, right? I'm sitting with students. I'm prodding. Mm-hmm. I'm also using mini lessons to try to incite. Uh, motivation in them. I'm doing conferences. I'm taking notes because tomorrow I'm like, okay, if today's bad tomorrow, I need to be, I need to be the catalyst for them based on our conversation. So that's still happening, but it's that freedom feeling 
that I, I'm that I really want to have because I feel like it really leads to new heights. But I don't know. I mean, for you, when you think about like this this idea of a culture of freedom, how do you? I mean, have you ever thought about it that way? And if you have, or if you haven't, like, how do you view that that workshop? vibe in your head how do you describe creating this 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 culture of we can take this wherever we want we have things we have to do but the the freedom and choice is yours how do you go about creating that that almost that sense of possibility within everyone well <clears throat> first of all i've been in your room while you're teaching on more than one occasion Yep. And uh, you do have pockets of kids who are reading. You have pockets of kids who are writing, and you are going from table to table talking to them. You've allowed me to participate with the students, and you know, and then you follow up. And then when we're in that one room, though, with our with the poetry club, <laughs> it is that, those that's a, kids. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a, a fast twenty minutes. That of is a fast twenty minutes. But I can go to every one of them, and you go around. We kind of just go in our circles, right? And uh, some of those kids really pull down some good stuff. Or I'll, I'll walk up, well, what do you have for me today? Well, I, I didn't write. I can't think. But I'll have something for you next week. And I try to always follow up on that person and say, well, did you see? Did you get And every once in a while, they'll have something. And it's really good. When they do write, it's really, really good. So that they are. They are. It is um, very energetic. Let's just put it that way. I don't know if my room is that energetic. I think my room's a little more, you know chill in some once it's going uh but you know we've been we've been having some pieces we've been doing a lot of writing this last week and uh i think uh, and you know well we we do quite a bit of writing anyway but i think where i sponsor the freedom and and i think this is where sometimes they don't know how to grapple with it they're not used to it but my freedom is in the ideas um more or less like, you know, we're not, not everybody's getting to listen to their own music. You know, it's not anything like that, but um, I do have music going. They know, I use the music to let them know this is the work time, you know, and, uh, and I'll say things like, well, these are the things that need to get done. This, I mean, I've, I've got a deadline and when my deadline's met and if you haven't met that deadline, enough to give me time to grade you're not going to get anything graded so you won't pass so this is my deadline so i need your deadline to be here i need something in uh i'll say these things are what we need to do and i'll specifically like we've been doing argumentative essay so they have to get that in but they can do different things with it um but i think where my freedom is is in them coming up with any idea they want and then they explore it within the genre that we're studying so they and and sometimes they're really surprised they're like you mean i can you're okay if i do that and i'm like yeah it's your idea i mean like are you really okay and i'm like yes i mean we just had this this talk just uh uh just a few weeks ago with one of my students they're like you're you're sure it's okay and i went yeah, as long as you do, these are the, you know, elements of argument. So let's make sure you have those in there and let's do it, you know. And then I give them, like you said, the tool. I, I gave them a a way to move their, put their ideas on note cards and they moved them around. It's something that we learned in Abydos, but they use that. They It's kind of like putting together a puzzle for their 
their ideas and when they figure out how they want to organize and they start started writing. And so it was just neat. So when everybody was writing and they all kind of got into it, I mean, I think you saw me grading. Well, just the other day we were doing some other, but you saw that they were filling up the page. It's not like they're not finding stuff to write about. So I think my freedom comes in and that way where they get to voice their opinions and things like that. They, you know, and I accept their ideas. I don't. And, and I, and I, the way I don't say, okay, we're going to do a decades project. You have to stay in the sixties. I might give them a decades project and they say, you pick your decade. In other words, I don't, you know, I'll word it in such a way that they have freedom within those choices. Um, I think maybe that's where my freedom is, but I, we do a lot of sharing, you know, that I put them up on the board. They they're busy writing on the board, coming up with their own ideas. Uh, we go around and look at each other's ideas. We add from each other's ideas and turn out books. So those are some things that we do. So we share ideas a lot. So I think, I think that's where uh, my freedom comes in is really in this, this sharing of ideas. And I think from there, once they get an idea, then I pretty much accept just about whatever they give me. You know, I, here's why I have a question for you, but I, I also, I just want to kind of double down on that, which is, I feel like what we're communicating here and what we try to get across every time we talk on a podcast or help other teachers or even just talk to each other or whatever, or talk to the team is our, this work of freedom and and giving kids choice and everything else like that. Uh, It is so... It, it's not only essential to really helping a learner grow, I think it's it's also so life affirming, right? I mean, the every kid that walks into our room does not have beliefs that we necessarily agree with, right? They they might believe something else, they might come from different backgrounds, they might come in with all kinds of baggage or whatever, but what we're giving them is a space to really work out those ideas without us using them as pupils for indoctrination, right? We're not pushing specific ideas, thoughts, beliefs upon them. We're giving them a space to where they can work it out and figure it out where they want to go. And I feel like there's there's nothing greater that a, that a class can do, that a school can do. I think that's what education is, is allowing students to be who they are, all their complexities, you know, intricacies, wrongs and rights and everything else in between, and allow them to interact with that in a way that furthers their... Uh, growth academically, because I mean, just think about all the people that graduate school, right? They go through 12 years of American public education and they have only ever been told what to think. They've been told how to think. They've been told what form to put that thinking in and they graduate completely unsure of how to articulate what they actually believe. We run into these people all the time in the world, right? Mm -hmm. This is why public discourse is horrible, in my opinion, is no one's ever had to contend with saying what they believe and having to either defend it, articulate it, or uh, be able to say it in a in a group of people that disagree, right? I feel like this is what we're doing here has massive implications, to give kids the freedom to explore and to interact with the ideas that maybe they agree with and disagree with. Right. I, I, I feel like it's, in, it's incredibly valuable, but, um, 
other than that, I wanted to ask you a question, which is, oh, go ahead, go ahead. If you want to say no, that. I was when you're saying agree with, disagree with, you know, I told you we were just doing an argument. Yeah. I had this wonderful conversation with one of the girls and she wanted to do dress code. I did not tell them to do dress code. I did not, but she's, they're so insistent that yeah, they wear up. whatever they want. You know how that is. And so she's like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, this isn't my paper. What do you think? And she said, well, I just think that we need to do away with dress code. I said, okay, all right, no problem. Let's do away with it. So you're okay with people coming in with no clothes. And she's like, no, 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 no. I mean, they have to have clothes. I said, oh, okay. So you're okay with everybody coming in and they all have to be covered up, you know, because different cultures have different things. And she's like, well, no, I want to be able to wear my my tank tops. And I said, oh, okay. So where do you draw the line? Because apparently you have a line. So where is your line? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, so... This tank top you want to wear, if you know, if you go to church, would it be okay if if you went to church in it? She's like, oh no, I couldn't do that in church. I'd have to cover. I said, okay, so you do have a line. So I need you to you. I don't need you to do anything. I just said I. You need to research both sides. So look at both sides. Think about your own line. What is your line? And think about the fact that. We're in a public situation with all these different cultures. Where do you draw the line if you're making a decision for a large group of people? And now write your paper and tell me what you think once you do all this research. She's like, well, I just never thought about it like that before. Oh, I'm doing this. And I mean, she just got all excited. But I mean, she was just like, I I guess there is a line. I mean, it was just kind of neat to... uh, so anyway, when you said conversation and argument, that that came to my mind. But I thought well, it was a great conversation. But it was, well, here, and everybody else is doing something else different. But that was hers. Here's the gift that you gave that student, though, is you taught them that just because you can feel strongly about something, it, you still have your own lines. Even then, right? You can like I can be like you and I. We disagree on quite a bit in the world, but we're we're friends. We're literally <laughs> colleagues. Like I I begged you well, to come you know to my I'm campus. Right. What, you know I'm right. Whatever, whatever we disagree on, everybody. Always, always. I'm the one yeah. that's right. Anyway, always. go ahead. <laughs> but like you know, I have I have a lot of friends like that. I honestly like most of my close friends disagree with me on like the core issues. I think it's interesting. I, I hate right. being in echo chambers. It bothers me. But regardless, the what you gave that student was them realizing that even if you're on the side that is mostly common, right? If that student, if they walked around, if they like went into the cafeteria, hey, raise your hand if you want to do away with dress code. You know, every hand would go up, right? Because it's it's school. It is what it is. People are always upset about it. But this. The interesting thing about that is just because you are in the majority of where you are, wherever that conversation is happening, doesn't mean that you're right. It doesn't mean that there's not lines that you would have. And the the nuance that is missing from the bigger conversations that are happening, politics and education and stuff, is that we deal with so many different cultures, different beliefs, different religions, different backgrounds, all of this stuff that people that essentially legislate what needs to happen at the, you know, at the school board or, you know, at the state level or whatever, people have to make these decisions of where is the common ground. And that means 
not everyone gets their way, right? That is, I mean, this is, this is like, this is democracy, right? It is you, sometimes you get a little bit what you want and then you don't get the rest. I mean, this is just the Mm -hmm. life we live in. And I feel like though, that there is this almost, there's this culture that we live in currently where everyone feels like they should be entitled to everything that they want. And it's just not true. Um, it'll never happen. Any, any culture that's ever tried that it's like, okay, sweet. Now the people at the top get whatever they want and you, you know, you get to eat cake. Right. And that's, and and that's, that's kind of what happens. And but this, like your moment there though, of, opening a student's eyes only happen because you allow these conversations, you interact with that student in a way that was, you weren't trying to persuade them any other way. You offered insight as someone who's more experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that is, that is the element that I'm talking about. It's this, it's these creating environments in our classrooms that breed curiosity, that breed different questions, that breed, um, these moments where you can do that because that necessarily wasn't the point of your lesson that day. Was it not? No, they're just, it, no, it exactly. Wasn't. So it, yeah. it was spontaneous, but that mm-hmm. was, that's a, that's created because you fostered a classroom where students can freely interact with ideas and really grapple mm-hmm. with this stuff. Right. We teach middle school. We, these kids are just now they're It's like they're waking up. You know what I mean? Like right. you go through elementary and you kind of believe what your parents believe or whatever. But in middle school, you experience so many different things. You're maturing, you know, along with all the hormones and emotions and stuff, but you're, you're starting to actually question what you've been told, what everything, like, you know, some of your old beliefs start to fall away. You start to almost start to write your own story, so to speak. And that's such a delicate age. And it's a really good, it's a really easy age to be manipulating, to think whenever you want. And I think the most empathetic thing teachers can do, the most equitable thing we can do, the most equal thing we can do, the most diverse thing we can do is give students that space to do that without trying to force them into specific thought patterns or whatever. And that my question to go back to that to you was when you like for reading, for example, or writing, whichever one you want to tackle, how do you, how do you follow up on the promise that you're not going to rob them of that freedom? Because I feel like that's essential to what we're talking about today is, it's it's one thing to say, all right, kids, you can write whatever you want, and then all of a sudden the clamp comes down if I don't like your idea. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. you can read whatever you want, but it has to be these five books. You know what I mean? And I'm not. We're not talking specifically if you're trying to do literature circles or something like that for a specific purpose, right? We do that. You've done that this year. Um, we're not. We're not talking about that specifically. I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm saying the moment where we say you can do this, but then we kind of give this artificial choice. How do you fall? How do you make good on that promise while still holding them to that academic standard and just the realities of public school? We have to do grades. We have to have assignments. We have to do all of these things. How do you? How do you balance those things? Well, I typically give them a window of time to turn stuff in. Um, This year, I've taken things a lot later than I typically do, and I think I'm going to blame it on COVID because these kids are used to doing 
whatever they, you know, I mean, yeah. they they show up, they pass. At least that's how we some were of our seventh it. graders haven't been in school since fifth grade. No. So, you know, but I, I'm real upfront and I, I tell them ahead of time, this is what needs to be done. Uh, this is how we're going to do this week. This is how we're going to do the next few days. I try to, I try to give them as much head notice and then, but you know, like we were supposed to go to the library the other day, but somebody got sick and so the librarian couldn't be there. And so, uh, as a result, you know, my, my moment changed. So I said, okay, I guess how many of you need more time in your reading and writing? And they all raised their hand. I said, okay, whatever you need to work on, let's get it done. And so then I walked around the room and I pull up a chair and talk to them, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but how do I make good on that is I give them that window of time. I tell them what my deadline is. I've got to have it in. You, and so the other day we had this great conversation. These kids are like, but I don't, I, uh, it was over there. How many books? Well, they have to turn in their writing, right? So that's what needs to come in. Cause I have to have a grade. And so I told them, this is my, de- my deadline. This is when I have to get my stuff turned in and I'm going to get my deadline met, whether you turn your stuff in or not. So I need you to turn it in right here, but you need to give me uh, some days to grade it. I mean, I need to have time to read. So we did this. Uh, I said, how many, what's your goal for your book club? How many, what, what did your, cause this little group, they were in their book club group at that time. And they were like, um, well, our goal is to read 11 pages a day or, you know, to be on, to get on our pace or whatever. They had to read at least 11. And one of them said, well, we're actually reading 18. I said, okay, let's just do 20. So we know that you can do 20, 20 pages a day. All right. So how many kids do I have? So we went through and, you know, I've got 60 kids. All right. So if, if, if I can do 20 pages a day, how many times is this? Is it math? Ms. Ochoa? I said, no, let's, let's do this. Cause I need you to say, <laughs> they're like, why God, are no, we doing I this? Could, oh my God. I know this Ochoa. This is the most Ochoa thing that can happen. Oh my God. So anyway, I said so. So 20 will go into 60. How many times? And they said three. And I said, okay, I need at least three days to get everything great because I'm going to be grading. I know how, you know, so they're like, oh, okay, okay. And they turned it in. These three did turn it in when I asked them to because I explained to them how many I made them do the math. I got a grade too. I mean, I've got to read also, you know. <laughs> so that's the kind of conversations I have, but I don't tell them you can't do that. Now, um, I think, you know, I, I do let them know that if they're going to write about things that now I let them know up front, if they write anything that concerns me regarding their safety or the safety of their friends, that as a teacher, I must uh, go tell the counselor. I, I say, so if you're going to write something like that, I'm not going to tell you not to, but I'm going to put right up here in front of you. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I, I, I'm going to have to uh, look at it. But I typically pull a student up and talk to them before I go and just check with them first. But because I had some in the poetry unit, they wrote about, I had one boy that wrote about suicide and his whole thing was not about suicide because he was, 
in trouble. It was more like he had some friends who were in trouble and through all of that, he learned how to get help. So his poetry was his whole entire anthology that he made for me were poems about people who got help. And, uh, and so I thought that was really kind of neat. And he even put the hotline and all that in, in there as a dedication page. So, um, so there's sometimes there is a reason for them to write it, but I didn't keep him from writing it. So uh, I think I think because I have done it now at the beginning of the year, that's hard to convince the students because I don't think I think it, they have been robbed of that freedom, if you will, because when they look at me and go, "You mean I can?" I mean, and they're doing that in a question because they're like surprised. Then I think their past hasn't been where they can write about whatever they want. I mean, if they've been told what to write, when to write, they've been given only prompts. There's nothing wrong with giving prompts, but I don't think it always has to be a prompt or your prompt needs to be open enough that they can choose. Uh, and so, um, so anyway, but I, I pretty much, uh, I've been like this for a long time where they can choose what they read. I had, um, you know, I explained to you, uh, I ran into some students the other day for my GT class years ago. They've already graduated high school and college, and they ran into me and uh, Thursday. But in that class, uh, I remember this one girl, she wanted to read Frankenstein as a sixth grader. Well, Mary Shelley and Frankenstein as a sixth grader, we had to get the book from the high school. Like I had to do a library loan from the high school. So I let her read Frankenstein, but I did let her parents, I did talk to her parents and made sure they were okay with it. And they were like, they were so used to having a GT student that was brilliant that, you know, they were like, sure, let her read whatever she wants. That's how we do it. So I did do that. She read whatever she wanted. And uh, so we would have to pull books from the high school for her, uh, for her reading. So I, I'm pretty open in the sense, I mean, as, as, you know, as what people might be surprised at, I'm pretty open about letting them write and read about whatever they want, but you can tell when they have been squelched, you can tell, and it takes, it takes that first two, six week periods or that first third of the semester kind of thing. The very first part of the semester, you've, that's where that trust you've got to, and yet at the same time where, where, where I find it difficult is how do you do the trust and yet keep, um, that that's kind of what I ran into trouble is keep the discipline. In other words, being able to keep it a safe environment because I have some students that really were kind of bullish at the beginning. So how do I deal with their situation and not ruin everybody else's situation. And I think I got pretty close this year in, in, in one of my classes where that was a very fragile situation. But I've noticed that since working with my principal, and I think you took one of my students. And so uh, in that case, you can see an actual 15-point increase in their scores. And I think that's because the environment has kind of settled down and uh, they're the ones that I can pull up a chair with and just sit down and talk with them. And they're all, so it's, uh, we've really rebuilt that relationship. I feel pretty good about the relationship there. So um, I, I just think, um, I just think you just got to maintain not squelching. So their thinking process. There, uh, we, I need you to remember this. Our, I think our next podcast needs to be about addressing when kids write about intense issues. Um, yes. it's a whole chapter in my book, rightfully empowered. 
mm-hmm. but it's a. Uh, I, I feel like that's something we should talk about. I, I want to share a story because you triggered something, but I, I don't want to do it because we're already fifty-seven minutes into this episode. Oh um, yes, I'm sorry. I, well, because yeah. it, no, it'll 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 just it'll be something that spawns something unless we want to do a two-hour episode. I feel like <laughs> we'll save that one for. We can next do week. a two-hour one. All I mean, right. we can, but I I know we oh, could just we could literally do this all. Well, they pro- what's funny is they probably would. Uh, you know, it's I my my favorite podcast I listen to is regularly four hours. I, I it takes me all week to listen to an episode because oh, I listen wow. to it in little spurts. But I don't think this episode. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe Craft and Draft will ever do that. That'd be hilarious. But people always tell me they go, they go. Teach me, teacher is like these little spurts, and Craft and Draft is the one I have to pull out my notepad and just take and whatever. So <laughs> I feel like we can't we can't do too much. This is our this is really okay. this is really the deep dive podcast. So maybe next week we dive into that because I think yes. that's an important conversation we should have yeah. because I think when we're talking about freedom and everything the when kids really start opening up and they write about things and I have I have a specific yeah. story that comes to mind with a specific student so I think that'll be a great episode for next week but um on the topic of uh just the uh, the idea of really uh embracing kind of things but also also dealing with that kids you know, sometimes yeah, kids can be mean sometimes, right? Like this is, it's very common. People mm-hmm. can be mean. Um, I think it's important to a culture of a classroom to really foster, uh, I mean, really foster that the acceptance of we have different ideas. And I, I think that comes from, that can come from a lot of places. It comes from mini lessons. It comes from constant sharing. You know, one thing that's, that's common in COVID people have been talking about learning loss. I, we really haven't been concerned too much with that. Our big mm-hmm. concern is that emotional competency loss, right? The, the, oh, the yes. social skills. And we've definitely seen that. I think, I think that's why teachers are tired right now. And to go back to our, why teachers are quitting episode is, it's it's honestly because we're dealing with uh, a lot of emotions that we usually don't deal with. You know, kids have felt lost with COVID. There's a lot of trauma. There's also kids that have not been in school for two years. I mean, going from fifth grade to seventh grade without being in a classroom. Could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine? No, I what that not. would be like. But you know, I had one student at towards the beginning of the year, and I think it made a difference with her. Is she came up to me? She said, "Miss Ochoa, have you ever had your heart broken?" I mean, that's a question. And I said, oh, that's a question. is your heart broken? She goes, no, but my mom's is. Mm. And then she started crying. And I'm like, she goes, I don't know what to do. I just want to help her. And so I sat down and talked to her about, yeah, I have had my heart broken and blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing. Not that that was a blah, blah moment. But I mean, I had, but we sat down and talked. And um, so those, and then she wrote about it. So I very, uh, and allowed that, you know, so I think that that built trust there. So I think each person has their own individual way of doing it. As a teacher, we have to look at, there's so many different needs and issues with our students. We have to be very flexible ourselves in dealing so, with them. I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to talk with these kids on, on next week's episode. If we really talk about that, uh, the, the, when kids write about intense stuff, but mm-hmm. I have two that come to mind just to kind of wrap up today's episode, which is 
one of my students, and this is a wild story, by the way. What a, what a great story to close. Well, actually, I'll tell you the small story, then I'll tell you the story that is one to wrap up this episode on. So one story is this, this one kid who um, – you were in this conversation. Uh, we Uh-oh. were sitting – no, it was in the it – was, it was the other day. It was on Friday. We had a half day. We were sitting in like our little group just kind of debriefing. We were kind of closing down or whatever. Um. And one of the inclusion teachers had talked about how a particular student was really aggressive, right? That that they were they were whatever. And I was so shocked. You saw? Did you hear the yeah. shock on my voice? Yeah. Uh-huh. I was genuinely shocked because this student is she's my best one in in my kind of my first block. She she always chooses to sit away from people, not because she's antisocial. She talks to <laughs> all. She has a lot of friends, but she just likes to be kind of alone. It really sets herself. But when she came into my classroom, she was writing. She she would write. She's also an English language learner, um, so she's she's uh, English is her second language and everything else like that. Um, and I worked with her. I was like, oh, you have you have some ideas, right? She wrote a lot of fiction, and I thought that was really interesting. And we were kind of talking. But once I started showing her some of the slam poems that I've shown before, and uh, I started showing her some poetry, and we started working on just the, the, the pebble idea from Nancy Atwell and really focusing on an idea and an emotion, I told her this week when she turned in her publishing pieces, I said, you are my vote for the most growth this year. Just in terms of writing, you are that student who, uh, you are a rising star. You have so much to say. You've you've honed your language. You're you're experimenting with style. You're you're playing with language. I was like, it's fantastic. I was like, it's powerful. You're you're talking about emotions. I was like, a lot of people misinterpret you because you're quiet, which is funny because that teacher said she was really aggressive. So she's quiet in my class. She's quiet and all this stuff. And she's been, she's just, she's made so much progress and her pieces are honestly some of my favorites. I was like, you're, you're astonishing. I was like, you are one of those students who, if you decide this is something you want to do, you could do it for the rest of your life. And, you know, she beamed and, you know, she loved this whole stuff, but I was like, this is you, this is your, this is your forte, right? And whether you choose to do it in some other fashion, that's fine. But as of right now, like you could really take this somewhere and, uh, you know, that, that growth process though, right. Just that, those conversations that, that led to that because she wouldn't have gotten there. I believe if, if that freedom wasn't possible, if I didn't give her choice and topic emotion and stuff like that. But my second one I wanted to talk about was this one student of, uh, these conversations that happen that lead to these deeper pieces. And this is why I think we're going to have a part two of this episode with these kind of the trauma informed, so to speak pieces where one of my students, she, uh, one day we, I was like on, uh, you know, our, our attendance stuff that we do is skyward. Right. Um, I was on there and she, I was looking at, for some reason I was looking at her information. I think I was looking up, she asked me to look up a number or whatever, but she saw that her mom's number was on there. And I didn't know that her, like her, I didn't know she didn't talk to her mom. Right. But her mom's oh. was on there and she was like, oh, let yeah. me, let me call that. And I was like, okay. And so she calls her mom. She had talked to her mom in like two years. So she calls wow. her mom. She calls her mom. And they have this conversation in my room. And it was, you know, it, it, it wasn't anything bad. Like, they just kind of, hey, I'm in, you know, I'm in English class. I was calling to say hi or whatever. I was like, when was the last time you talked to your mom? She's like, oh, it's been a while. 
And I was like, oh, and it, I mean, it was like this huge moment. I was like, wait, when did you talk to your mom? And like the whole class got involved. Like we all had this conversation around her experience with this. And she had written a lot of pieces about that uh, from then. Right. She's she's my writer. I, I put her in honors classes because she's someone who she needs to be around that. I think she is going to just soar and all this other stuff. But right. her. The other day she told me that her she's she's about to move because her dad's getting married and I was very sad about it. And I was like, okay, well, you have to make sure you tell me when you're going to move so we can say bye and all this other stuff. But she was like, I need to call my mom again. I was like, well, I, I, I don't know if this is the, the proper time frame for that you whatever. And I was like, well, why do you want to talk to your mom? She's like, well, I need to tell her bye. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, I need, I need to tell her bye because our, our new family's starting and stuff like that. And we just we had this long conversation about how she was interpreting this, why she thought this was like the end with her family or her mom and stuff like that. But this this is I think this the why I wanted to share this kind of at the end was it's it's these moments where kids share not only their thoughts and emotions and stuff like that, but the, their real lives, the the stuff that they're going through, the the things that they're thinking about today, the reason why they might not care about the 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 simile that you're throwing up on the board, the reason why they might not care about whatever you're doing that day, is because they're human beings. They they have real problems. They have real emotions. And the what I love about what we do. You and I, and honestly, the the majority of our team and and any workshop teacher is we create classrooms that honor those experiences. We create classrooms that say you're human and I understand that. And even though academics and grades and all that has to happen because of the system we live in, I want to honor who you are and let you explore that in the ways that we can allow in school. And I think, I think that is, is at the most essential core of what we're talking about on this podcast, craft and draft and workshop in general. I think that is the differentiator between running a classroom and running a workshop. I think they are vastly different. I think that is why you and I are so passionate about this, why we talk about it all the time, why we get excited. <laughs> but I think, I think that's the difference maker because when you see – a young person grow from who they are, evolve into something greater when you see them at, be able to not only experience who they are, but use who they are in their classwork to be successful academically. Uh, there's, there's little that compares. And that's it for this episode of Crafted Draft, ladies and gentlemen. We, I you know, I you want to be this site. So no, I'm you're sorry. good. You're good. You're good. This, I thought, okay. Well, <laughs> Just paused. <laughs> so it that's good, it, everybody. Craft and craft. It. Go ahead. Jacob finished. <laughs> that's it. You know what? Here's the thing. I wanted to do a little bit longer of an episode because our last one was a little shorter. Uh, it was about Patreon and stuff like that. But honestly, that last episode was short. I was sick. I, we we talked about it a little bit on the bonus episode. Yeah. If you're a patron, you heard me kind of – I felt better, way better on the bonus episode. But – I, I I got hit by something. I don't know what it was on that weekend, but I was a little sick. Pam and I jumped on the podcast ready to record like two hours, an hour for a normal episode, an hour for the bonus. And I was like, Ocho, after 20 minutes, we cut. And I was like, I got to go, Ocho. I'll see you in a few days. <laughs> so that's why I, I really wanted to make this uh, a, a longer episode to kind of, you know, to, to pay back uh, everyone. But the, first of all, let's shout out everyone uh, for listening, subscribe 
subscribing, everything. Thank you guys for yes. listening to the podcast. Whether you support us on Patreon or just listen to the free feeds, that's wonderful. But if you join Patreon, you get a bonus episode of Craft and Draft every single month. You also get that Craft and Draft video if you're a listener plus person. If we get 10 patrons, whether it's at the listener or the listener plus tiers, uh, we will start releasing videos and everything else. We really want to start boosting that. So, um, if you haven't jumped in or if you're waiting for payday or whatever to jump in, uh, whatever it is, we're, we're, uh, we're so excited that even you're considering, but also just to the opportunities that this new platform allows us, uh, to have. So thank you. Uh, very much for yes. uh, to to go into that. Once again, you can get to that link. Uh, you can go to Patreon and Craft and Draft. Just search that, or you can go to craftanddraftworkshop.com and click that link at the top that says resources and everything else. Once again, Leah, Mark, Brandy, and Alicia, thank you for sponsoring the show and being our producers for this episode. Everyone else, if you want to join in, join the Patreon. We're gonna do some special stuff. Live streams are coming, special videos, extra episodes, and all of that in between so if you love craft and draft do that but if you don't have the time or the money to do that subscribe review the podcast to make sure that everyone else can find this it really does help us rank among the other podcasts uh stick around ladies and gentlemen release episode every single friday come back next week submit a question if you have a question for us we love to answer questions here our patrons get first dibs on questions but if they don't ask anything then you're it. You're the person that gets the question answered. So maybe you can be the lucky one, but thank you ladies and gentlemen, and know that we are here for you. 